This is the emergency pod for Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and uh, joining me today are Brad Ford and Ryan Top. And actually, you wrote it so I could say you guys are joining me, but obviously, I'm joining you. This is this is a bit of a, a switch up from what's normally going on. I mean, lately, yeah, yeah. yeah this is the old normal. But with Brad, the superior uh, Jim. <laughs> oh, which as that. anyone who listens or follows us on Twitter knows that is the most blatant lie anyone's probably ever said on the podcast. <laughs> Throwing haymakers right at the top of the pot. <laughs> That's okay. He won't listen anyway. So you're good. Exactly. So I, I figured you needed to bring me back because that's the only time that you've done the podcast and there's actually been baseball. Yes. Right. That's that is kind of how this apparently works. We have we have two things that that uh, uh, Jim and I had when we did the podcast. A, they played seasons, and B, the Brewers always made the playoffs. That is well. well I mean, we started in twenty seventeen, so like they missed well, the playoffs we, by a couple because, games. That's because our podcast magic only got like a couple months worth of uh, fairy dust on them. There, it didn't quite push them into the playoffs. So the next two seasons, they got in. So you guys have a lot to live up to there, right? <laughs> The expectations are very, very high. Just Listen, getting a season back. You guys the Brewer, canceled the season when you took over. The Brewers already have, you know, some great accomplishments that hadn't happened during your tenure. I mean, they <laughs> had a great five-round draft, and uh, they paid people despite a pandemic. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, you know, the Brewers, not off to the worst 2020 they could possibly have, but hopefully it can get better from here because we're going to get some baseball. So that's good. So. Uh, hey, let's get into this, but we have a sponsor read first. I haven't done this in a while. Do you think I'll kick it a couple times? I hope not. I don't want to edit it. <laughs> okay. Uh, we are sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. You know them for the great beers like their flagship Fantasy Factory, IPA, Block Party, and others. By the way, Outer Space, I think that's my favorite one when they do that seasonally in the spring. Okay. I don't know that I've had that. Did we ever? It's, it's a boozy New England IPA, so look for that. I know it comes out in the spring at least. Nice. So, uh, anyways, try their latest creation, the new Norm Ale, with proceeds helping the Wisconsin Brewers Guild. Uh, the next time you're in Madison, stop by the brewery on Kinsman Boulevard on the east side to check it out. Uh, you can also get a discount on some Carbon 4 merch just by listening to this podcast. Just go to carbon4.com and use the promo code MKE Tailgate when you check out. That's Carbon 4 Beer Brilliance. You can support our podcast network at patreon.com slash tailgate. Ball and Glove and above patrons get the Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and Brad. You also get Paul's reporting as eligible Packers mini pods. Uh, patrons also get question priority here on the program. And you get a personal shout out on here on the pod when you become a patron. And we'll get to this week's questions in just a bit. Yep. Is that what you have there? Yep. We're going to get to those questions in just a few minutes. Also, okay. we should point out Paul has a new mini pod up for people. And I know you listen to it, Steve, right? You you used your your secret abilities to sneak in and listen to I the did. podcast. I did. He talked about uh, how baseball was the, the sport most likely to be able to complete a season. And uh, football is going to be in a tough position to try to do a covid-filled season uh and actually get everything in without it turning into a complete disaster so it'll be interesting to compare how all the leagues uh get this done um but definitely worth a listen if you get a chance so and it was like i don't know 16 minutes you know he gets right to it yep 
he is the soul of wit. Yes, exactly. So on Tuesday night, the union okayed the league safety protocols and the rule book for the up- upcoming 60 game season. Uh, unilaterally implemented by Rob Manfred after the players voted down the final proposal 33 to five on Monday afternoon. Uh, I'm going to go through all the rules here. We have uh, players. I mean, well, we could talk first about the fact that like this was kind of a crappy way for things to end up, but it, it did it from the player side. It preserves their ability to grieve. And that's what they want is they wanted the ability to fight MLB on the fact that they limited it to a 60 game season well, and let's be, let's there was be no reason here. for that. Both, both sides got what they wanted out of this. The players have the ability to file a grievance and the owners are paying just over 30% of the player's salary prorated for the season. Is that what it works out to be? Yeah. I mean, I, they, I think it's like 37, 38%, something like that at 60 games. And they wanted what, like 33, 35. Yeah. It was something like that. The estimates I've seen have the owners on the hook for as much as a billion dollars if the union wins their grievance. And that seems like a lot of money to me. <laughs> like a yeah, billion dollars issue, does seem like a lot. It does. But when you split it between as many players as there are who are hampered by it, um, it does feel like they gave up a lot by not accepting the initial offer that the MLB had given or that last offer that the MLB had given them where they get shares of playoff money, eliminating the qualifying offer for 2021 paycheck advance forgiveness, COVID-19 protections and protection from non-guaranteed ARB contracts. It, it feels like they, because of how long it was stressed out or stretched out, the grievance feels a little less likely than it had before. Although I still think they have a good ground to stand on, but at the same time, it felt like they ended up, leaving a lot behind when they had voted down the offer that last offer from MLB. Yeah, there were some goodies there, but it wasn't like anything super substantial. It wasn't like MLB was offering them uh, 90 games or something. They were, which is a lot more money that we're talking about. So MLB was kind of offering them little bits and pieces here, a few million dollars here and, you know, like some playoff revenue there. And that's only going to go to some of the players in really either case. Like it's not something that's going to be an across the board major boon for them. So they kept in line their, their ability to grieve. And I think basically be able to say, Hey, we, we held the line and stayed together as a group other than I guess, Trevor Bauer, who decided to go rogue on Twitter and right undermine things which you know trevor bauer at some point you knew he was going to do that crap like you knew he was gonna he was gonna do that so that's the fun of trevor bauer is he does a good thing and then he does 110 problematic things (laughs) yeah that is really trevor bauer isn't it like yeah for every one good thing he does he does many many bad problematic like i've been enjoying his fight with aubrey huff but at the same time There's everything else. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, Aubrey Huff is is one of the very worst people associated with Major League Baseball. But yeah, and so Bauer's going to fight him about some things. But ultimately, like, you know, Bauer's still going to undermine the union, which, yeah. And the amount that that was talked about, I was just listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast uh, a few hours ago. And oh, the amount that they hammered that for the effect was just nauseating. It was just absolutely nauseating. Yeah, so the players will be able to opt out of the season, but only those who are high risk of contracting uh, contracting the coronavirus uh, will be able to do so and earn a full salary and service time. So what was defined as high risk? 
I don't know. So there was disagreement about this because the original report that Bob Nightingale put out there was that the players who were uh, lived with somebody who was considered high risk would also be able to opt out. And that was uh, contradicted directly by Aaron Dolan, who's married to Sean Doolittle. She contradicted it directly and said, no, that's not the case. Like, Sean is not going to be able to opt out of the season because I'm high risk. So there's some disagreement about that. We don't know exactly how this is going to work and exactly what people are going to be able to do. Apparently, teams are going to be allowed if a player decides to opt out because they live with somebody who's high risk. Like, let's say they live with their mother and their mother is uh diabetic or has some major thing that makes her very COVID susceptible. The team is going to have to decide whether or not they want to pay the player and give them the service time, apparently. Yeah. And the problem is we're still getting a lot of this information like developing and growing to this minute. There, there's still things that were agreed upon that they finalized out with the, especially with the safety protocols that we're still seeing take shape. So there's the obvious ones where it's players like uh, Carlos Carrasco, who, you know, just finishes cancer treatment, obviously has to be given that. But then is it enough to have uh, certain types of lower uh, flare-ups of asthma or things that fall on that list? Like how tight is MLB going to hold this? Are they going to hold it to the strictly or medical standard of saying these groups are in that bubble? And it's information we're continuously getting as these things continue to get hammered or like our continue to get leaked from behind the scenes. But the, I think the big thing is you really hope that teams end up showing their empathy and letting players who are with those high risk family members actually out of it. Because I mean, that was one of Sean Doolittle's big fights the entire time was I am worried about coming home and giving this to my wife. I do not want to play. I do not want to be the person responsible for killing my wife or, you know, those with newborns. We know newborns are less likely affected in serious ways, but still you don't want to give your kid COVID. You don't want to be the person responsible for that. So it, you hope that there's a little bit more empathy in what they agreed upon than uh, what it apparently is based on the few facts we're getting off of Twitter right now. Well, it also doesn't help that we're still learning about this virus. So, I mean, we can kind of, we have a bit of an understanding of who's more at a, a high risk for, you know, uh, bad outcomes if they contract COVID. But we don't know for sure. Like, as this thing progresses, that's how we get more information and they can make better decisions on that. We're not really at that place yet. So, I mean, the idea that they can right now determine who is high risk and who's not, it's it's based on just kind of you know, assumptions about how people have reacted to this point without a better understanding of it. And we keep learning month after month the differences between this and, you know, the people who want to just claim it's the flu, which right. it's clearly not. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing. And my point is if they're going strictly by what is currently medical uh, high risk right now, you are still going to leave a lot of people in danger because of that. Yeah. So uh, there will be a COVID IL that will exist for players and will allow them to return when negative. So, I mean, that's still probably a good 14 plus day DL. Well, I think it's, it's meant to be more like if a player comes like wakes up in the morning and they have a fever, they can call in and say, hey, look, I need to stay home and uh, get a test and not expose the team to it. 
And that player can then go on the IL for three days. And if it turns out that the player was fine, they can be back in three days. You know what I mean? Yeah, but couldn't couldn't you potentially use it to say like, oh, they came in contact with someone and they need to be quarantined for 14 days? It could be used for that, but it, I'm, it's, I'm just it, saying because that that is that is an issue with COVID as well. Is sometimes it takes 14 days for symptoms to appear. Right. It, I think the idea of it is is they said an indeterminate number of days, and I think the idea is that a player can be out as long as it takes for uh, people to feel that the person is not they're not going to be contagious to other people. So if that's two days because they needed to make sure the person got a test, then it's two days. If it's you know, 20 days because the person needs to run the full course of, you know, a symptomatic version of the virus, then that's what it needs to be. But they basically gave them the flexibility to say, if if somebody thinks that they might have it, they want to be able to report that right away and keep them out of the rest of the team, which is exactly how this needs to be handled, right? Like you want to yeah. get people as soon as possible. You don't want a player going, well, I really need to show up today because they really need me and can't replace me you don't want that that's the worst outcome that you can have you want a person to be able to say hey look i i'm not sure right now and so let's be careful about this and just replace the person on the roster asap yeah so okay actual baseball things yep because those are all kind of disease related which we hope they don't have to deal with a whole lot. Uh, teams will play 40 games against their four division opponents and 20 interleague games against five teams in the other league of the same division. So divisions haven't changed at all. Nope. And the- we're going to see Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, and Pirates a lot. Yep. Right. We're going to see the them season. for 40 of the 60 games will be the four teams in the division. Now, I'm not 100% sure because remember there was that weird thing about how the Braves were going to be swapped out with... Or no, the Pirates. Yeah, there was. Yeah, it was the Braves are going to be swapped out with Pittsburgh. That's probably no, that's not going to be happening. But no. uh, So, yeah. So it's just going to be straight up like by division. Right. By division. And none of that interesting realignment stuff, because they're kind of working under the presumption that being in the division saves you a lot of travel, which seems to only be true in the AL or in the NL and AL Central. Uh, where it's like the most tight put. But when you're talking about a team like Texas going up to Seattle, you end up having a ton of travel. Yeah, I mean, there was never going to be a perfect solution for that. Because once you get, you know, west of, you know, St. Louis and Kansas City, stuff really starts to spread out. Right, right. So, And I'm counting Texas as west, even though they're not technically west of those cities. But yeah, when I think they were talking about Arizona, it seemed like a more ideal situation. But at this point, with Arizona being a hotspot, no longer the case so i guess are we disappointed they aren't doing one of those like hey we're gonna play on a bunch of spring training fields in arizona and all in one location uh, a little bit just because i think it would be safer to have them more controlled and a little bit because if you're already doing a goofy 60 game season i would like the goofiness of the realignment that would have to come with that like the the royals tigers brewers division was something weird on top of the already obscureness that was happening with the season. So, and also I just think it's easier to control the teams. If you're working in the bubble, kind of like what NBA is trying to and poorly possibly trying to do for their teams in Orlando. Yeah. I kind of missed the opportunity to get a little weird with the, the matchups and the scheduling, you know, since they they went pretty standard otherwise, because I mean, really it's kind of like you play what you normally would during the season. 
as far as the division opponents, and they just cut out all the, you know, the majority of the games outside of your division. Right. Because what do they usually play? 18 versus each team in the division? Yes, it's eight or it's 19, I think. It's 19 against everybody in the division, and then you play either six or seven against the other two divisions in your league, and then you play one other division for like one series each. Plus your, yeah. your so, natural I mean, they basically rival. cut out everything outside the other division. So it's basically what the schedule is. Yeah, but the there's going to be, I mean, it's a heavier percentage of interleague games. I mean, you're talking about one third of the schedule fully being interleague. Oh, yeah. So there's that. And I imagine because you're playing, you know, four game series against each of those teams that they're not going to do two and two just for they don't want to have travel. So I would imagine it's going to be four game series. So you're going to play four game series against each one of the other teams in the AL Central. So we'll play four against the White Sox, either there or here. Unlike that. So did they say what what the stadium attendance was going to be or what the rules were for that? So the stadium attendance thing is very up in the air and it's very localized because there are places like Texas that still like apparently are going to allow people in, even though they have, you know, the worst outbreak in the country. I was going to say, apparently they're like licking each other on the face. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, what the hell is going on in Texas? It's it's I think I saw per capita. It's as bad as New York's peak right now. Yeah, and it's supposed to get worse because they're not taking the precautions that New York took to drill it down. So, like, it, I mean, apparently... I've seen a lot of movies about Texas, and I remember there being a lot of spitting. (laughs) (laughs) Good Lord. Uh, it's Well, when John Voight's running your program down there. Wow. (laughs) That's That's a reference 20 years old. I give it a tan. Tan. Come on, (laughs) embrace it. Embrace varsity blues. I mean, at this point, yeah, all you can do is kind of just shake your head. I don't know what they're, what some of these places are going to do. Houston is in the midst of a massive outbreak. Tampa Bay area is really in bad shape. Uh, Phoenix is in bad shape. You'd you'd think that they'd be used to handling viruses in Tampa. You would, (laughs) you would think, but you know, apparently not this. Tampa, well, have- it's like it's like a city of cruising chubbies. Ah, <laughs> uh, though our own personal Dell's outbreak. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Did I ever tell you that my brother we we went there for his bachelor party? I've, Dear God, that's I've, like when I went to the glitter gulch. That's got to be yeah, just we did. And, and disgusting. And he he talked about viruses. <laughs> he was getting a lap dance on the stage, and they oh, like no. took his shirt off, you know. And then one of the 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 dancers like took took her hand and like dragged her nails across his like whole the, abdomen it, and chest. That's the bachelor party special though, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Like and I've it, heard of guys getting beat with belts and stuff. Yeah, it was no, it was awful because it was like from his his hip all the way up to his shoulder practically were just like nail marks. And I think they it looked like he got infected afterwards. It was so nasty. <laughs> I was like, this is terrible. He got literal or he got cat scratch fever. He did not literal, but <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Cruz and Chubby struck it out in Wisconsin Dells. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Okay. <laughs> and this middle ad break comes to you. <laughs> we get a free plug. Other fun rules. Universal DH for 2020, so that'll be good. I think everybody's wanted to see that in baseball for a while. Except for I mean, purists who will obviously have heart attacks. But Yeah, I still think it's only like 50-50, but I think the important people have wanted it for a long time, right? Like the players and owners have wanted it for a bit. The owners for fear, or at least the GMs for fear of their 
pitchers getting injured. I mean, that's a big thing. You have an AL player come over and they immediately seem to spring their ankle the second they run out of the batter's box because they have frail lower limbs. And then <laughs> AL is like, oh no, you need the DH. And now like, you, you know, we're hearing some excitement from Brewers players where Ryan Braun's like, oh, this can extend my career. This is awesome. I know I was saying like I'm done earlier this season, but now you have the DH. This is cool. And yeah, you won't did. lose any emerging aces as they round uh, first base too far and and dive back uh, <laughs> at Wrigley Field, when, Steve. When they realize that it ricocheted off the wall in Wrigley a little too hard, oh, oh, you're making me sad. That's that's just. Anybody sad. else want to relive? Uh, no, that, we don't. that moment when Jimmy Nelson was great. Uh, so yeah, the universal that killed DH. my fantasy team, by the way. So um, that, which is the most important part of it? It really is. <laughs> The universal you DH know, it was is, it good. is crappy when when the guy's going to be both the ace of your favorite team and your fantasy team. I'm just saying, <laughs> like that's really a kick in the nuts. So, anyways, universal DH for 2020 will be good. Uh, yeah, maybe they'll decide to pick up Ryan Braun's option after seeing him DH for 60 games. Yeah, I don't think they're going to pick well, up the option, but they could potentially bring him back. He might decide he right, wants to come back. You could do the four. He's pr- basically said he's only going to play in Milwaukee or LA. And if you do implement the DH for 2021, which we don't know is a for sure thing, but seems pretty likely. I think it's easier if you waive his option, which I think is 4 million. The buyout is 4 million for that. And then if you end up bringing him back on like a total of 10 million and treat the 4 million almost as a signing bonus, then add like another 5 million to come DH. I think that like the team feels pretty good about that versus paying the 16 or 18 million that he's owed. Yeah, I think that's I'd love more to see likely. a late career renaissance for Ryan Braun as a DH. Sure. There's there's a I'm history of that. that. Um, okay, we have 30-man rosters for the first 15 days, then uh, 20, 28 for the next 15, and then 26 after that. So it's progressively going to cut two guys off the roster every it's two weeks. Because then by September, you're cut down to 26 instead of having the 28 expanded rosters at the end of the season. Yeah, so, it's the reverse okay. of normal. It, it's very weird and backwards. Why not just have 30 man rosters? Because Rob Manfred sucks and he hates it. But I mean, he's like, well, we are going to reduce the rosters anyway. We can't do this. We can't ruin my master plan. I mean, it's uh, because they want to limit the number of uh, total people like, dug out. Right. Well, no, they want to limit the total number of uh, of uh, service days for the season. Mm. like they don't want to have 30 all year because that's going to be just, you know, a lot of extra service days. And it just came out today, by the way, that to get a full season, you have to uh, play all but six days. So if you, if you uh, come up on the seventh day of the season of your team's season, you will not get a full year of service time. And no one's going to so, manipulate that, right? So again, going back, why does it? Why would you need to then cut down on the the size of the roster if you can just manipulate service time for like a week? Because they just don't want to pay the money. They just don't want to pay money. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to limit the amount of money that they're paying overall. It's penny pinching. But these were the same people, Steve. These are the same people that were trying to like, you know, save like $400,000 on minor league salaries or whatever. Well, and it's so funny because you're talking about guys who'd be making the league minimum. I mean, that's all you're really affecting. For the most part, yeah. It it doesn't really yeah, it's it's league minimum guys. And and fringe 40 man guys who are high waiver risks, right? Like Tyrone Taylor would be one of these almost definitely be one of these 30 men for the Brewers. 
Right. He'll but, probably spend some but time again, on none the of them are making roster. a lot of money. It's, no, right. it's a rounding error what they would make. Right. When yeah, you're but, talking about an extra four guys. Right. It's not only a rounding error, but then it's on top of it. Like, that's not a guy who the team likely plans on having for six years. It's also so service. It's kind of obs- it's they're trying to limit the individual service time for players too. like if if a team has a 30 man roster all year, it's going to be harder for, I don't know, the Phillies to keep Spencer Howard down all year and make it reasonable, make it seem somehow reasonable than if, you know, it's it's a 26 man roster at the end of the year. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, well, we have to send them down because we need to we need to save space or whatever. The, that's how this is going to get manipulated. You can already see it coming. And know that that's how it's going to be, because I mean, I don't think the Brewers are in particular position. Brad, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I don't see anybody that the Brewers would want to manipulate down. They already did that with with Keston Hero last year. But there are other teams that are going to definitely be trying to manipulate down service time on top prospects. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've already seen some reports of top prospects who will likely get impacted by this alongside it. You have teams already planning this out. Uh, you look at, you know, we talked about with the Angels. Joe Adele, yeah. Yeah. So you have Joe Adele. It's an easy manipulation to save yourself on a guy who might be an MVP and, you know, just have those six days. Isn't Adele coming off like serious ankle injury last season? Mm, I don't think so. I have him on or my fantasy. Two, I have him on my fantasy. a couple of years ago now. No. He was injured like no. one he, season. Anyways. He, he doesn't have that. No. Moving on. He plays for the Angels. We don't care. They're out west. They play too late. Nobody watches them. Yeah, he was healthy again in May 2019. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, last big rule change, a runner starting on second base in extra innings uh, would only apply in the regular season, and this is not for the playoffs. The batter who made the final out in the previous inning would start extras on second base. So this is – it was tested in the minor leagues first, wasn't it? Last, mm-hmm. last two seasons, I believe it's been in. Yeah, it's been a few years now. Yeah. And it kind of is dumb. It is kind of, I mean, it's very dumb. I would be okay if it was like the 14th inning, but that it starts immediately in the 10th inning has always been a stupid thing to me. I mean, it's dumb, but if they're going to do it, I don't mind them doing it like for this season. No, I mean, they need to limit extra innings in this situation because they need travel to be as seamless as possible. It's travel's already going to be a big pain in the ass for the season. So they need to do what they can to smooth it out and not have weird situations. But I, I think that your better outcome would just be just do ties. It's baseball has a history of that. No, no, no. Here's what they do first. You do home run derby. (laughs) And then if after like a couple rounds of home run derby is still tied, then, then it's a tie. So that would be great. That would be shootout at the end of the hockey game. And then if everyone fails, it's just a tie again. Let's get weird. Let's yeah. really embrace this because it's the only time you're going to have like well, 60 games like this. Probably it, it, the reason I especially hate we this hope. is because Manfred has been trying to use it for so long that I fear that like, oh, this is going to be one of the hangovers of these rules. This yeah, is going just, to be one of the ones. And I, I just don't like it. Like if for if I knew it was going to be only this season for sure, I'm OK with it. Because, again, like even if you weren't worried about travel you're still working in a weird situation where players are going to be pushed in a different way. Um, you know, they're coming in with less prep time, although we've talked about how players know how to get themselves ready and have probably maintained readiness for some time. But there, I feel like there is some concern of injury risk because of how just odd coming back into this is and coming off that layover. I, I don't mind it in like the terms of like, well, we can't 
throw all our relief pitchers out there every day. If we end up having a bunch of extra innings, we got to have a way to end it more quickly. But at the same time, if it hangs on past the season, I will be a grumpus about it because it's, I've watched it in the minor leagues and it always ends up to just being like, you might get to the 13th inning and you'll just keep adding a run every inning. And I don't know. It's stupid. Ties well, after and 10 wouldn't innings. it be great? Hold on. If you're, if you're trying to like save pitchers arms, like, wouldn't it be great to see Ed Cedar trot out there and throw <laughs> to like, you know, Ryan no. or somebody or Kesson no. Hero for, for a home run derby. Uh, no, I don't trust Ed Cedar to do it. But yeah, someone else. They bring Euchre. Um, it'd be his only appearance. Because <laughs> he used to throw batting practice at all the guys. Yeah, he'd uni up for it. Yeah. So you'd have somebody like that. You just have a coach come out and throw batting practice. You save a pitcher. Everybody gets a home run derby, so they're happy about that. It's the perfect way to do it. But instead, now, they're doing, are you doing like the ten? <laughs> are you doing the 10-ball rule, or are you going the current four-minute rule? I think 10 balls. I would just say, here are your 10 swings, do it. And then that way, like you can keep it moving and they could end the game. And you have to use the player who is still in the lineup with the lowest average. No, hold on. <laughs> no, if we're going to do it. I want to see somebody get some dinners. <laughs> I don't want to see something. Steve's stupid. Know, do you want to know the horrible truth or do you want me to hit some dingers? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So we have some Patreon questions. Jay Google's at the top of the list. What's up with that? I put him Dude there. Dude is always at the top of the list. I put him Just there. Just gets in the quickest. I guess. That guy, I don't know. We'll have to do something about that. So, uh, How many players will we see make business decisions and either not pitch or guys on the IL just say, stay on the IL for the whole year, especially high-profile pitchers barely making any money? Yeah, I mean, I mean it, if they're on the IL, they're still making service time, right? So I don't think the high-profile pitcher is barely making any money. Like, I don't think that's an advantageous situation for anyone. No, I mean, so but I don't, the idea is, will pitchers who have some sort of an injury basically say, yeah, I'm hurt. Like, I I have elbow soreness. I have shoulder soreness. I'm not going right. to pitch the next two months. And, like... Like Blake Snell has been vocal that unless he was getting paid right, basically pro rata that he didn't want to do it. It yeah. seems like he's, he's he got his pro rata. So. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think there will be a couple of players who sit out. Like I think Sean Doolittle at this point is a risk to sit out because he obviously cares a lot about keeping his wife healthy and he's made some good money over the years. Uh, yeah. Imagine that another human caring about someone else. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's going to be relatively limited on terms of players who just kind of ham this one in there. But I think it's impossible that there won't be some. I just think it's going to be a handful. Yeah, there's a lot well, of pressure I mean, on people to be tough and like to be out there and to do it. I think that the social pressure of it is going to keep a lot of guys who maybe have questions from doing it. I mean, we saw the Brewers, Brett Anderson came out and said, so what happens when we all get it? Like he clearly has questions and has concerns, but will that keep him from actually showing up? Time will tell, but my guess is probably not. I'd probably show up and reply. I mean, I would imagine guys who are younger and don't have a medical risk are going to say, I'm going to get my uh, service time in. There's that, but there's the counter uh, veining thing where most of those guys, if you are a pre two years, you've already made all but $25,000 of the salary you're going to get for this year. So if you're on a league minimum contract, you're already guaranteed all but 25,000. So basically you are playing 60 games for $25,000. Don't sure. they owe some of that back for pre-arb players? 
Mm, they didn't waive that, it, did they? No, they decided. Remember the the waiving of yeah, that because it was because the it, union didn't agree to the deal. So no, like it's so there's some weirdness with that. There's going to be some weird people who sit out. There's definitely going to be. There might be, but I I mean I still think most of these guys want to play. I think most people do want to play. I mean, the, that's mo- what the vast majority for. want to play. Yeah, but we're going to see and, some weird some weird situations where people sit out for reasons that aren't entirely clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so who knows? We'll just have to wait and see who the iconoclasts are. Yeah. Who who's willing to put, I don't know, their family ahead of do like, little is a good, a good shout for that. Yes. Um, I think it's very likely he will, but again, he's a guy that's been around. He's made some money so he can make that call. Yeah. He's you know, also so a union a rep, which is interesting in that he's going to have some pressure on that front too, because he is, I believe he's the nationals union rep. So yeah. Um, okay, we got a question from PJ Wessels. 60 games. What are your expectations for best and worst records across MLB? Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I was wondering about it. I mean, I think we're going to see somebody win. We're going to see a few teams go 40 plus, you know, 40 to 45. Probably the best. The best we'll see is about 45 and 15. And the worst we'll see is, you know, I don't know, about 15 and 45, somewhere in that neighborhood. I don't think we're going to see anybody truly. Nobody's going to win 50 games. Uh, yeah, I, I, it would be it would be pretty unbelievable if somebody did. We haven't seen that too often in. Especially with so many games against the division opponents. Right. And also with the expanded rosters, kind of, I think, I feel like that's going to even out the playing field a little bit, right? Like that's going to allow teams to be able to manage a little more like the way Craig Council usually does and be a little bit more uh, using the, the strength of the depth of their roster. I, hey, what I, do we think? We'll expanded rosters. Do expanded rosters suppress offense this year? If, if they can carry larger pitching staffs. Um, does Did Rawlings have the appropriate amount of time it needed to drive Oasis correctly? Because <laughs> that's going to determine a lot of my answer. <laughs> There you go. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right in line with you guys, though. Like, I think it's 40 plus, probably like 40 to 45 is the max we're seeing. Uh, because, like, I think we've seen like teams take relatively rare, like maybe 50 games in a May occasionally, but they also end up playing a horrible, like, start of the season, like, a horrible opponents to start the season, right? Like, it's like generally like a bunch of guys who they can just roll over. It, it's few and far between. And with the situation, I just think you're in a harder place to do that based on what your schedule is going to be. Yeah, I mean, the schedule is going to be more uniform this year just because there isn't a a ton of natural variance. I mean, think of the teams in the East. They are really going to face a gauntlet. Like, it's going to be rough for them. Well, the the NL Central, I mean, the Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, and Reds. Yeah, but all those teams are kind of mediocre. Like, the East, both both Easts are really loaded well i was saying more to more to the fact that nobody's really going to run away with it it's going right. to be a lot of teams just beating up on each other right like That's the winner true. of the central is probably a 35 game or a 33 35 game winner right like just over 500 i mean it, i wouldn't say that with how short it is who knows if right. someone could get on a run but yeah. you could you could you could take four teams and basically say uh, sure i mean if we, craig has another craig temper 
<laughs> the Brewers the, are basically 40 game winners. Half the half. season is Craig Timber this year. So like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it works. And by the way, I was playing OOTP uh, this last week and people who followed me on Twitter would have seen this. Uh, I ended up having a 16 game winning streak in September of 2020 to it's worked into or to make the, the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Like they've apparently they've changed the algorithms on out of the park baseball <laughs> to, uh, to take into account for Craig temper though for uh, this case, it was top temper because I was managing the team, not Craig. So I get credit for that. <laughs> nice. Sure um, you do. Okay. We have a question from Adam post. What teams or types of teams are best suited for a 60 game season? I mean, deep teams, right? Like just teams that are incredibly deep, like the Los Angeles Dodgers are the ones well, who are least functionally herded by a 30 game season. Or well, hold a on a second. Roster. How tightly packed are these games? The normal I mean, amount. It's there's yeah. going to be like it's they're going to play games a regular regular rhythm to the season. Hold right? on, yeah. it's sixty games in sixty six days, and it was pointed out on Twitter. And I'm sorry, I can't cite who said this, but the normal amount that's games on ninety percent of the days. A normal season is one hundred sixty two games in one hundred eighty three days, and th- so that's games on. 87% of the days that doesn't really functionally change much. Like they have about the same amount of rest throughout the course of the season as normal. But I also think that like the big thing is the, the teams who are best equipped are uh, to handle the DH, which we talked about. The brewers are already one of those teams. we talked about that extensively. I think that's one of the biggest competitive advantages on the NL side is to play teams in the NL who can handle the DH are going to have a competitive thing versus hand, handling the 60 game season because it will more or less be a regular rhythm. That's where the competitive advantage comes in. Other than that, it's just deep teams who can really turn over a bullpen um, and re- maximize their pitchers in a way where t- they take advantage of the 30 man, 28 man rosters while it's available to them. Yep. And I think the Brewers are very close to the top of the heap in terms of this as being a team that can can deal with this because they have been built around roster depth since David Stearns got here. That's been his hallmark. So they're in particularly good shape to deal with this. You're looking at a bunch of non-roster ATs who now have an easy path into playing like Logan Morrison. Yeah, I mean, guys like Ryan Healy, if if, if he's looking really good in this extended spring training point 2.0 or whatever that they do. Should be summer camp. I mean, a guy like that is going to potentially make the the 30-man roster to start the season and have a shot to win some time and do that before they cut down to 28 and then 26 guys. So we'll see. But there's all kinds of opportunities for teams that have built around depth, and that's what David Stearns does. So I think they're in pretty good shape to deal with this. Okay, we have a uh, question from Darren Jones. Assuming Ryan Braun makes the most appearances at DH... Who do you think will make the next highest number of starts in the DH spot this season? My guess is Narvaez, who the Brewers acquired. Is that three years ago now? Uh, and, uh, uh, I think At least? It was, I think it was just 2019, Steve. <laughs> I, I know time's blended together. but Time, time turned elastic this year. So. Jesus. <laughs> I got to say, Hira, if, especially if Arcia is playing as well in summer camp as he did in spring training, I think there's going to be more push to get those three players equal playing time up the middle. 
And I think the easiest thing is for Keston to avoid his bad defense and hide in the DH spot where you can show off his primary talent. Yeah, Narvaez isn't... That's a good shout. I like that from Darren. Though I wonder... That means Manny Pena is going to get a lot of time behind the plate, which I guess that that really could happen if they decide we really want to be... Pena versus Arcia, I mean offensively is that a big difference not necessarily comes out ahead historically right (laughs) right and pina is a guy who has some history he's had good seasons mashing lefties at least so maybe that's the direction that they go on that and and decide to do that i don't know i i feel like it's probably it's probably somebody like logan morrison or ryan healy who we aren't necessarily thinking of right now but who basically hammer the hell out of the ball in the spring training and the team just wants to give them plate appearances as much as possible in the regular season. And what I'd say, I'd expect Ron to get about 40 games at DH. Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be the overwhelming choice to be the DH most of the time. So, so then you're looking at splitting 20 games. So we might be talking about the next highest person is a person with eight games. Yeah, it it really could end up being that. And I mean, it could even be lower. Ryan Braun might play 55 games at DH. Like, especially if Garcia and Yelich and Kane are all hitting well. Right. If that works out the way that we hope it will, then yeah. Other or and then smoke has to hit to his expect to his level, right? Like smoke can't be exceptionally worse or else then you imagine Ryan Braun will be forced to take over first base. And then you're looking for someone else to take over DH. Yeah. It could be Braun. It could be Ryan Healy. It could be Logan Morrison for all we know. Like they have, they have so many options and it's going to be a lot. I was going to say Braun would only move to first base if they didn't have any other options and they, they do. So, well, it depends on if you figure out Justin smoke is bad by the time you're down to 26 men though, you're looking at the same roster crunch that you were looking at coming out of spring training. I mean, you're you're playing to see which one's hot in sixty yeah. games. That's yes. who it comes, is. Who who's hot? You know, for thirty games, and then you rotate in the next guy who starts hitting for the last half of the season, and you know, hopefully, it's enough to get you into the playoffs. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that sort of thing where teams are going to operate in a way that they wouldn't over the course of a longer season, where they're just going to say, "Yeah, we're just going to go with who's hot," and the Brewers the way that they built this roster this year is sort of perfectly set up for doing that. So, 30 days man, of Keon. Could, 30 days of Keon. Right. Like they, Keon could, really use, they Ke- could really use Eric Thames this year. That's what I was just <laughs> going to add to it too. Like how much does it hurt that they didn't pick up that option now? Like, I think we all disagreed with it, but saw the war- why they thought it was warranted. But now that you're looking at a 60 game season, like it does he's one of the guys you wish he was on the roster for the amount that they were going to pick up that option for. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. We'll see. Yeah. I, I mean, nothing's, nothing's really a big deal for that when you're just going to rotate guys through anyway. So yeah. Uh, Asaleta M. Is that, uh, is that uh, what it is? Uh, uh, Ashlatam. Ashlatam. Yeah. I yeah, think we've, so. We've been going through this for weeks and we finally you clearly nailed. weren't listening for those three weeks. <laughs> well, you have a capitalized M at the end. So I didn't know if you it's like Metallica backwards, pick up on it. Yeah, and his, wrong. his avatar. Oh, no. I'd, see, I'd never catch that. <laughs> his avatar is the lead singer of Rammstein. Nice. Okay. Uh, in spring training 1.0, we generally knew who was going to be on the 26-man roster. With the 30-man roster to start, who benefits and who ends up on the taxi squad that wasn't on the 40-man roster? 
I mean, Brad and I have been talking about this. This is going to be really interesting. Like, are we going to see like Ethan Small making the the roster? Like, it's it really does it does open up a lot of interesting questions as to who they're going to put on that taxi squad to potentially bring up. There may be some guys who we think of more as players who would be in Double A this year. Who get put on that? Wait, taxi what is squad? the taxi? What what is the taxi squad this year? Because they're not playing a minor league season. No, no, no. So the taxi squad is going to be players who are available to be called upon. In no, the- I get that, but I'm just saying you're not bringing guys back. Yeah, and they more forth. or less just play exhibition game. They like sit at one place and play exhibition games and stay ready for games. Yeah, I mean, where are they going to be? Where are they going to be doing this? I mean, at Miller Park. Initially, we thought the Milkmen, but. No, they're going to be Park? they're going to be doing this at Miller Park because only three players on the taxi squad are allowed to travel with the team, and one of them must be a third catcher. So they're going to be playing like minor league games at Miller Park when the team's out of town. Yeah, probably okay. beforehand too. You imagine? Yeah, I mean um, they're going to be. But they doing... were initially in the proposals. It was the taxi squad need to be located at a stadium within one hundred miles of the stadium. So there were some theories that Appleton could work because it was just outside the 100-mile threshold and there would be some flexibility. There are some theories that it could be in the Milkman Stadium, but now the Milkmen are playing baseball. Um, the Madison Mallard season is canceled. So uh, if you do end up doing a structure like that, I think you play it, maybe look into something there or the few collegiate baseball, st- or baseball stadiums like Carthage. Um, but yeah, um, I didn't know about the three traveling members, in which case you imagine you're not having 17 players scrimmage against each other all the time. So they probably are hanging out at Miller Park. Yeah, it's going to be like the Sandlot where they're (laughs) there. It's not like two full teams, so they're going to have to like take turns and whatever. It's it's going to be weird. And you know that it's going to be a lot of pitchers like that's going to be the thing. So they have to declare by this Sunday. So we should have some clarity as to who. So everybody on the 40 man is apparently part of the 60 man roster. Or if they're not, there was some exception for that. If you have somebody on your 40 man that you don't want to be part of that, you still have to pay them. But you can exclude them and go with, you know, 20 plus players from off the roster. But they are going to be. It's going to be up to 60 players that teams have to declare by Sunday is what's coming. I tell you, Tim Dillard is going to make so many videos if they're not playing every day. (laughs) I don't think he's going to be on the roster. I think that's probably a safe bet, Brad. Especially because he's throwing like 82 these days. (laughs) Where is he at? He was in Texas last. Uh, I think he's so... Is he with Oakland? Because he's back in Nashville. Is Oakland in Nashville? Oh, that's another thing. Nashville is apparently going to host up to two full squads of free agents. And I don't know who's going to decide who these free agents are, but like freely available players that teams can purchase if they need players to fill out their like rosters, should they get hit with like a bout of COVID or whatever. So apparently Nashville, Nashville is going to be the place for this. It, it, I saw this in a, it was a, a note on uh, MLB trade rumors. I didn't see that. And that's insane. Like, I like it. Yeah. So that's it's going to be crazy things I like. Yeah. So teams are going to be able to just like grab players off of this scrap heap. I so would I assume the NFL the is going to have to do something like this too. When the time comes for that. But yeah, I don't think there's anyone on the Brewers 40 man that you really exclude. 
I think all like it's the 20 extra players are going to be 20 extra players who are not currently on the 40 man. So the question uh, then becomes lo- like, how heavily do you lean towards development? Do you bring a guy like Mario Feliciano, who's definitely not going to be a major leaguer this year, but you put him on there because you want to continue his development this year and you want him to be active. Does a guy like right. that make your roster or are you really yeah, focused more of- on guys that could potentially be major leaguers this year? We might as well jump ahead and Kevin Cundinger, not to take your job, Steve. He asked the question, what about the top prospects, uh, especially those that weren't projected to make it to the big leagues this year? What happens to them? And there's already teams planning on using this semi-developmentally, where they do call up some of those players. I think Ethan Small and Aaron Ashby are very likely to be candidates for this travel squad. And you look at a Feliciano, where you want to continue developing him defensively. This is the perfect opportunity, whether or not you can really well develop his bat in this, you have the opportunity for that. Uh, Garrett Mitchell is another one, depending on how safe they think it is for his diabetes, which I knew was going to be your first comment. Um, I think that he probably gets the season off because he's a higher risk. Uh, But I don't think, I think the team's going to have to make that decision for him though. I don't think that they they need to step in and be like, hey, look, we know that you want to play. We know that that's what you want to do, but you need to stay safe and stay home. Right. And I think I hope the team does that for him, because I think at right now he's excited to be a pro baseball player and probably wants to do anything he can, uh, especially if he views it as an opportunity to help his team. Uh, yeah, it's going to be such a weird season for all those guys. So it doesn't yeah. even seem like it's worth that that risk. But I, yeah, from but the I, names I that Kevin he, put on here. I think Terang will very likely be on that team because he's he was going to be headed to double A this year. I think Ethan Small for sure. Ashby is a good shout. I don't think Rasmus- Kelly. I think Rasmussen, Rasmussen will be. Sure. Rasmussen will be for sure. Yep, because I could see him being in the majors as soon as this year if if yeah. he's you know controlling the ball well and everything seems good. Yeah. I think the thing where Kelly goes is if they open spring training facilities again and you can take those guys and work with them in the pitching lab or work with them routinely on fielding or their swings and changing it. I think that's where they go. But now they have to be extra careful with that because the outbreaks they just had like they can't. Obviously, they thought reopening the spring training facilities was going to be a non-issue and it ended up being an issue. So if it does happen, I expect significantly more restrictions on how teams behave in that environment. Makes sense. Okay. So we have the most important question from uh, Brian Polakowski. How do we safely get Bob Euchre to and from the booth? I'm thinking hermetically sealed Pope mobile. <laughs> His would be a Pope Corvette, by the way. It, it would be a Pope Corvette. So, um, this was actually something Adam McAlvey brought up today. Euchre told him that he plans on being in the stadium and calling games uh, at Miller Park. I I don't think he plans on traveling. He hasn't really been traveling hardly at all, period, for a few years now. Uh, even Chicago has kind of fallen by the wayside in recent years. So I think that we probably are looking I at... I mean, if he's, again... Dude drives into the stadium in his car. He's not walking in and he goes straight up to that booth. So, I mean, they can probably keep it pretty, uh, right. I do think pretty like safe the, for him. The elevator from the lot does go basically right up there. I, I yeah. think, um, 
otherwise, if you're a big It's Always Sunny fan, there is a great episode where Charlie uses his mom's suit, where it's special, and you can even put a beer in the top of the helmet that is completely sealed. It is full PPE with a bubble helmet. I thought you were going to say you were going to grease him up, and then he'd like emerge from a, a couch. <laughs> <laughs> you have movers like, haul him up and he just like, climbs out like that danny too. devito scene yeah <laughs> no uh there is a uh virus fear pandemic scene in there where they go into the liquor store in uh, full ppe and one of the uh does have the beer funnel that comes from the helmet down uh i think you give him one of those setups and he'll be fine just uh or maybe like deliver him in like a a perfectly preserved freezer type setting and then you drag him up there with movers and you open the door basically you know we're gonna cryogenically freeze him you know (laughs) in all seriousness though i just want to say like bob it's like 30 games call your games from home come on just do it don't don't even don't even worry about it this is the guy who was yelling at me i'm at work the other day who is like one of the most at-risk people who could have been yelling at me just open up already enough and it's like you should be home please (laughs) go home yeah i mean i mean if if attendance is limited and again they can basically create a path that basically euchre is the only one taking for the most part i mean nobody's getting in that broadcast booth anyways outside of euchre and and the handful of people that need to actually work on it so Hopefully that's enough, but I, like I said. If Uker's in there, do you let, like, Jeff and the producers in there? <laughs> Have them work two booths down. Yeah, like, right, we'll work the away booth, right? They can't travel anyway. Work yeah. in the away well, booth. Well, no, so it sounds like the away TV is not going to be uh, traveling, but the away radio is going to be allowed to travel. Oh, uh, because it's just two guys and a microphone? It's a much less involved process. So, Yeah. So we're only going to get Brian Anderson and and uh, Bill Schroeder for thirty games. So for the thirty, oh, games. the other guys in the division are so bad, they especially do, in the AL Central. They're so they bad. Like spring training where they mix and match for the whole season. Oh, I mean, aren't you looking forward to those games with uh, Tom Brenneman and whoever hack in Pittsburgh? I mean, they're terrible. Yeah, sixty percent of their podcast will be about why Joey Votto's awful. God. Did I say podcast? Because I meant broadcast. Yeah, broadcast. <laughs> Somebody should turn them into a podcast for them. <laughs> you should give them a creed-like website, like on the office, where it's like tombrenneman.sparkthoughts.com slash backslash Tom Brenneman thoughts. And just dot, let them type dot, it there all day. About- <laughs> yeah, it was a word doc. Yeah. Um, James Vandenberg. Vandenberg? Did I get that right? J- yeah. At James Vandy 3 on Twitter. How aggressively will the Brewers use Hater the last two years? They've been very careful to make sure he gets his rest and is healthy for the whole season with only 60 games. Will they try to get him out and get a little more out of him? Uh, you know, I, because he's he's had a weird, like, they'd use him a bunch early and get off to a decent start on the season. Mid-season, he'd get kind of a break a little bit, and then, like, September would hit, and Hater was the big weapon that they'd have. They, they don't have that, that anymore. Somewhat because be of circumstances, more... right? Like that was we're, what you're talking about is somewhat because of like the injuries that they had to people. So they, they relied on them a little bit heavily early and then guys started to come back and they, they loosened up a little bit. But I think basically we're looking at the same number of games in days. I don't expect that much of a change. Do you, Brad? I think they, this might be pessimistic of me, but 
I think he is going to possibly, depending on how our arbitration goes next year, price himself out of what Milwaukee wants to keep. He was already heavily involved in trade talks this year. Uh, he'll only have a couple more years of control after this. And I think if, if that's the case, the front office might just say, like, use them as much as you want. Go to town. If that's not the case, yeah, I think it's just like any other August or September where he's pitching pretty regularly. I mean, he got an entire four months to rest his arm. We think that is a very big plus in terms of pitcher recovery. So I think you can use him just as aggressively as you would when the times come for it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. It's still a matter of managing how hard he's working during the season, even if it is fewer games to play. Like, you don't want to just burn him out, so... I don't know. Again, the season's going to be odd, and I think whatever organization is the most nimble is going to be the one that has some success. And the I think Brewers I'm kind have of proven to be a, very nimble. Yeah, I think I'm kind of afraid of a hater version of Araldus Chapman, where when the Cubs traded for Chapman, they knew they weren't keeping him, so they just, like, I feel like by the end of the World Series, he's throwing, like, 98 because they gassed him out so much. I think that's a little bit of my fear, is that they might end up doing something like that because... They might be like, well, we're not paying $12 million for a reliever next season. And maybe I think that's just the pessimist in me uh, more than anything. But I could be here. I mean, they may decide to just ride him hard and put him away wet. Like that could be the decision that they make. <laughs> wow. Okay. What? That's a horse reference. That's not dirty. It sounded sure. pretty dirty. Yeah, you, do you, you not know it. that? Do you not know? <laughs> you took too much joy out of that. Especially the way you said wet. It was like, uh, wet. <laughs> it's not dirty. That's a horse reference. Okay, Whatever. yeah. Riding the horse. Way to pull out that recovery that quick. <laughs> okay. On that, let's wrap this thing up because uh, like the season should be, it's getting weird. So <laughs> remember... You can send questions to Milwaukee Tailgate on a Twitter at MKE Tailgate. You can also follow all of us on Twitter. Ryan is at RDTop. Paul is at Badger Noonan. Brad is at Brew Crew Blue. And I'm James L. <laughs> James with a Y. Yeah, this, uh, might, this might be the boilerplate. <laughs> yeah, I think somebody copy and pasted. I'm Steve Garshinsky. You can follow me if you want. Uh, I don't post a lot, but it's it's there and it's available. But otherwise, I do suggest following James L. with a Y. Uh, he is the normal host of the tailgate. Follow um, Steve if, because he was here. Stay for the picture of Ryan in a ditch. There, no, I got. Yeah, that's not. You got rid anymore. of it. I did. Oh, I'll bring it awful. back. At, I'll bring it back someday. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, Ryan with his knees to his chest uh, on the side of the road wearing Crocs. It's really great. <laughs> it's the height of style. Way to go, man. Uh, on your way to or from fish? On my way to fish. Man. Still lightweight. married. Lightweight. Still couldn't, married. Couldn't, couldn't even make it to the show before he passed out like that. Uh, <laughs> if, if, you, if you haven't already, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, while you're there, please leave a review to help other people find the podcast. Oh, I did see some interesting reviews lately about how biased you guys are. Oh, yeah, yes. Pretty, yeah, the bias. monsters. Hold on. Uh, Liberty Uno and Sprats 12. Uh, you both are dumb, so just don't <laughs> listen. <laughs> there was a second uh, one. I only saw one. 
we well, were they we were like a month they were like a month apart oh we were we were joking about that in our our uh our discussion on our twitter dms yeah so you know reviews are always funny go and leave reviews but you know leave five stars and then say whatever you want okay uh <laughs> thanks steve <laughs> And again, a reminder, you can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Just go to patreon.com slash mketailgate, and you get priority when you uh, when we send out a call for questions, and you get a shout-out when you sign up. Are there any new patrons this this week? There are not this week. No. It's been a few weeks. Well, baseball is starting back up, so it's a perfect time to become a patron. Uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Happy Father's Day. Uh, that was last week. Jeez, man. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> Happy return of baseball. We're getting back to it. What do we got? A week? Not even a week? Until spring training. Spring training yeah. Now? yeah. So uh, enjoy baseball returning and stay safe out there. All the guys, they'll be back next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. There So are you going to start this with like a siren? How do we start these off? <laughs> well, we can't afford the rights to any sound effects. Even no, you can go, are, there's, there's like open free. source. You can go so to like archive.org and get open source. No, no, it, you got to do it like Winslow in the... Uh, <laughs> we have a very no. limited special effects budget since you less, <laughs> left, Steve. There we go. So even free is so, too expensive. So Brad gave us the siren to uh, denote the emergency pod. So does this go in the official episode count? Are we doing that? Uh, no, it's not going to be episode one forty four. One forty four. So it's like one forty three point one. Yeah. Point two. Point. <laughs> yes. It's emergency pod four, I believe. Right. It's yeah. emergency pod. I don't know. We did one for the Luis Urias trade, which kind of like. It uh, very much like devalues this. <laughs> that was the last time it seemed like something was normal. <laughs> it was. <laughs>